Outliers podcast, where we discuss anything just outside the norm, ranging from the bizarre and unexplained to the supernatural and paranormal and everything in between. I'm your host, Eric, and today we're going to be starting off our first paranormal episode with a discussion on what's known as the Black Eyed Kids. Now, the Black Eyed Kids are not your typical paranormal encounter, also known as Black Eyed Children. These are paranormal creatures that pose as pale-skinned children whose entire eyeballs are pure black. They're typically between the age of 6 and 16. Most stories I've read describe them showing up in pairs, and they are usually encountered either hitchhiking or panhandling, and sometimes even show up on victims' doorsteps. These paranormal beings, when encountered, usually insist upon either entering your vehicle or home and will try to convince you to let them in by pretending to be lost or searching for their parents. They also seem to ooze an overwhelming presence of terror, and an impending feeling that something is wrong can quickly consume you. If one is careless enough to actually let them into your home, things quickly take a dark turn as these agents are actually sent to collect your soul. The only way to prevent this from happening is to simply deny them entry into your home vehicle and leave them alone. Stories of the Black Eyed Kids first originated in 1998 postings written by a reporter named Brian Bethel. These postings shared stories of alleged encounters with these black eyed children in states like Texas and Oregon. These stories received a lot of attention for obvious reasons as they're very intriguing. People began to demand more information on these black eyed children. So Bethel published a frequently asked questions section to keep up with the demand for information. Then in 2012, Bethel was invited to tell the story of the Black Eyed Kids on a reality TV show called Monsters and Mysteries in America. Then he wrote a follow-up article describing his experience. Since then, these stories of the Black Eyed Kids have been found in movies, TV shows, and literature. Sightings of these monsters are taken very seriously by ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts alike, many of whom believe these creatures to be either extraterrestrial, vampires, or even ghosts of some sort. Now for the bulk of this episode, I'm going to be sharing a couple of the creepiest stories I could find on the internet about the Black Eyed Kids. The first story can be found on ThoughtCatalog.com and comes from No Sleep 2012. It goes like this. It almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog Lucy barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter, staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out there rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over a house noise. We'd only had her for three months and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything. Our roommate, a creak from the house settling, the awnings moving outside in the breeze, I wasn't too concerned, initially. I decided the best bet would be to open the door and show her nothing was there. It sounds a bit silly, but it's what we do with our daughter when she gets scared, and I figured it should work with a puppy, too. I opened the door, and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl, one I had never heard her make before. I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate, blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. 
She started barking and jumped towards me. When I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered, almost like she was afraid and backing down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I had been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole. I can't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and didn't look much younger. I'm 21. She looked to be 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde, and she wore it long, about mid-back, with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front that covered most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that's popular right now, and a thin-looking olive-colored pullover-style hoodie. She held the hand of a small girl who looked to be around three or four, in the same style jeans and a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly, but had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held a stuffed toy under her free arm, and it was identical to one my daughter has, as was their style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and given them some tea or hot chocolate to get them off out of the bitter cold. Something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled. Nothing. I hadn't turned on any lights. These kids had no indicators I was at the door. The older one spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her head tilted downward, and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, We have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly, and that was when I saw her eyes. There was a reason I couldn't see them through her bangs before. They were black, or midnight blue, or a dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, Our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things. As a staunch atheist and skeptic when it comes to the paranormal, I had written off many a ghost story from friends and family members eager to tell their tale. I didn't believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door. Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took that second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll ask again, may we come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door and I inched backward, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back towards the door. It wasn't a physical pulling so much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered up the window, locked the door, and sat there in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more, and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night and I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that the black-eyed kids can't just come in without permission. I know they haven't hurt anyone, but I still fear I'll be the exception. 
When I told my husband, he said it was just a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it, but this lingering feeling of sadness, this dread when the house is silent at night, this fear of a knock at the door, this tells me otherwise. I don't know if anyone has ever had that feeling when they're home alone that they're being watched. However, given that I just moved into a new house with a lot of windows, it is a feeling that I've become quite accustomed to personally. In my opinion, there probably isn't anything more terrifying than the concept of someone standing outside of my house, someone who knows I'm inside and wants to come in. This next story describes what actually may happen if someone were to be careless enough to let them into their home. This story can be found at weekinweird.com. It goes like this. Let me start by saying that I know how hard this all will be to believe. But now that things have taken a turn for the worse, I started looking for stories similar to mine. I made the mistake of letting the black-eyed kids inside, and now I'm worried that I might die because of it. I hope this will be a warning to everyone who is ever in the position to make the same mistake that I did. I live just outside of a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight-knit community where everyone knows one another and people don't lock their doors at night. There's never been any need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a loud banging on my front door. At the time, my husband and I lived in a small home on a dirt road just off the rural route into town. It was the middle of a snowstorm and the nearby hills get very slippery in the snow, so I thought that someone might have been in an accident and broken down. It's happened before. When I looked out the window, I could see that our motion spotlight was on. I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from our road and into our driveway, but there was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road, and no one had driven on it for at least a couple hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see that someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband up just to feel safer. While I was telling him what was going on, the banging on the door started again, and my husband went to answer it while I stood in the hallway. When he opened the door, there were two children standing in the snow looking toward the ground. They were a boy and a girl who could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight, and the boy had a dated haircut that looked almost like a bowl cut. They weren't dressed for winter, and my first thought was that they must have been Mennonite children, but as far as I know, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush them inside and bundle them up with some blankets and hot cocoa, but that's not how this felt. The children were very unnerving. They would not make eye contact, and my husband asked them if everything was okay. They just asked to come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. They'll be here soon, is all they said. It was around 2 o'clock in the morning at this point, so the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did it anyway. I went into the kitchen and made them some hot cocoa while my husband took them into the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay, where they came from, how far they walked, if their parents' car was broken down, things like that. But they always answered, our parents will be here soon. 
They spoke in a sing-songy voice. They weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home at all. I started to notice that our cats, we had four, were all hiding except Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Normally our cats are very curious and friendly, and we have to be careful that they don't run out the door when we leave. This time, none of them even tried to see who was here, which I thought was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up, and his tail was puffed up while he looked into the living room. When I bent down to pet him and see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling and backed up until he had hid himself under the kitchen island. I've never seen him do that before. When I walked back into the living room, these kids were sitting on the couch, as still as can be, but my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what was wrong, and he just said that he felt very dizzy all of a sudden, but that he was fine. I turned back to the children to give them their cocoa, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside me not to drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no whites, just giant black pupils. When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could and showed them down the hall. They went into the bathroom together, and I hurried back to my husband to ask if he had seen their eyes. He had seen them too, and said that it looked like his brother's badly bruised eyes after a car accident. We were in the middle of talking about whose children they could be, when my husband's nose started to bleed. He never had a nosebleed as long as I had known him. I just knew inside myself that this had something to do with the kids in the bathroom, and I started crying while I ran to get my husband some tissues. That's when the power went out. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room, and as I started to walk back through the hallway, I stopped dead in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving, and I had never been so scared in my whole life. They just stood there in the dark. After what felt like forever, the boy said, our parents are here. As they walked to the door, opened it, and walked outside, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up to go close it and almost fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car idling at the end of our driveway. The men looked like they were wearing black colored suits and were very tall, at least six feet. When my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got into the car, and drove off. Our power came on about a half an hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. We can only assume that they ran away somewhere and never came back, but the worst thing was coming home to find Pigeon in a puddle of blood on the living room floor. He looked like he had been vomiting blood. The vet told us that he had had some kind of hemorrhage. After my husband's nosebleeds became a regular occurrence, we went to see the doctor. He didn't know what to make of it other than dry nasal passages, but my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer. When the doctor asked us if he used tanning beds, we thought he was joking, but apparently this kind of melanoma is linked to overuse of indoor tanning. The doctor thinks he will recover, but don't understand how it got so bad so quickly. My husband has never worked an outdoor job and spends relatively little time in the sun. Since we let the black-eyed kids inside our home, I've also suffered from regular dizzy spells and nosebleeds on a regular basis. I've had another issue, which I won't mention here, but trust me when I say that I'm suddenly in the worst condition of my life and no one can do anything about it. I know that all of this is because I let the black-eyed children in my home, 
We told everyone we could about the strange kids that show up that night, but no one else saw them, and some laugh at how scared we were of the Mennonite kids. But we know what we saw. I wish my husband had never opened the door. I've read other stories of people who let the black-eyed kids in, and things were not pretty. These stories are definitely not your ordinary paranormal encounter. An ordinary encounter, in my opinion, would be walking into an old, broken-down house and seeing what appears to be an apparition or feeling some sort of strange presence. Typically, ghosts and apparitions don't seek out individuals, but merely their turf is invaded and they are reacting to someone's unwanted presence. These stories of the black-eyed kids are far more aggressive and in-your-face, so to speak. With black-eyed kids, as the story goes, these creatures are sent specifically to collect the souls of the living for whatever purpose. Now, given that these encounters didn't reach a certain level of popularity until the 1990s, I've had a hard time believing that any level of credence can be given to some of these alleged encounters. While interesting and entertaining to listen to, the lack of specificity about their purpose leads me to believe that this was nothing more than a fanciful hoax that was conjured up in someone's mind and basically caught on. The other thing that is missing is consistency. Sometimes, as previously mentioned, if you let them in, they come in and leave. Other times, you're violently attacked. It's definitely hard to sort out the truth. If they are real, who or what are they really? What is their purpose? What are they doing when they collect these souls? These stories seem to be brought about by nothing more than the advent and growth of the internet and the popular culture that exists around it. It's easy for someone to invent a complete lie and spread it over the internet until it catches on like wildfire. But that being said, this is nothing more than my humble opinion, and there could always be more to these stories than meets the eye. But don't call me ignorant if one of these black-eyed kids is to show up at your front doorstep. If they do show up, you'll know what not to do. So that's it for this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you'd like to share one of your encounters with the black-eyed children, please feel free to comment on this post. Thanks for listening to our episode, and if you would like to reach us to send feedback, suggestions, or further discussion of this episode's topic, please reach us at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can comment, listen, and download our episode at strangematterspodcast.com. If you would like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page and Twitter. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please rate us and leave us a review. It helps promote the podcast and helps us reach more listeners. Take it easy, everyone.